I think it really comes down to what does your brand represent in the market category? What does everyone else look like? And what can you do to innovate or make it special? This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. Here at the Entrepreneur House, we're always looking for ways to help entrepreneurs scale rapidly and grow. Currently, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built seven-figure location-independent businesses. There's a growing culture of brilliant minds who have mastered the art of creating serious businesses and business models that can be run from anywhere in the world. We are interviewing them to dissect this science and help you get to the next level of entrepreneurship. Hang on tight because we've got some great stuff coming your way. And now, on to the show. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have a very special episode for you. Many of you know this already, but the Entrepreneur House is going through a rebrand. It has been a long process that has taken over a year and a lot of hard work. We're doing this for a couple reasons. One, the company and the podcast is really growing in a different direction. While we've really enjoyed over three years of hosting entrepreneurs from around the world and creating some amazing experiences, we have to be honest with ourselves and admit it's time for an upbrand. Don't worry though, we will still be creating amazing events for entrepreneurs and delivering some incredible content through the podcast. The second reason is that the word entrepreneur is trademarked by Entrepreneur Magazine and they've been initiating lawsuits against companies that use the word entrepreneur in their business. We interviewed David Lieserbram, who is an attorney that represented a company while going through this process in episode 211, What Entrepreneurs Need to Know About Trademark and Copy Law. This has become a very expensive and timely process for many companies, so long story short, we bit the bullet and are changing our name before it becomes an issue. But don't worry, if you're currently subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, or any other platform, you won't need to change a thing. You will just see a name change when you go to look for the show. So we I wanted to bring on an entrepreneur that's created amazing results building a seven-figure location independent business and knows a lot about the branding process. Enter Ben Eber. Ben is the founder of Natural Stacks. Natural Stacks is a supplement company that helps people achieve the highest level of performance with natural solutions that work. It is also a company that took Ben from less than $3,000 in his bank account to over a million dollars in revenue his first year in business. On the show, Ben walks us through a rebrand and asks some really good questions that can help anyone creating a brand or reestablishing their brand. From naming, colors, and logos, Ben shares the questions he had to ask himself and walks us through the process he went through branding natural stacks. Later in the show, Ben talks about getting to your next level of business, tapping into trends, and what he would do if he had to start all over again. It's an incredible episode with a lot of high value content. And without further ado, let's welcome Ben Aber to the show. Chris, thank you for having me. I want to talk, I want you to give us a brief background about your story because I, I really want the listeners to hear it. I know you have an amazing story from 2014, having less than $3,000 in your bank accounts to producing over a million dollars in rev and then building the business out from that. And then also, if there's anything else you want to address or uh, tell the listeners throughout that process, feel free to. So give us a, a background about the the infancy and the birth of Natural Stacks. Sure. Uh, well, one, if there's anything that says I had $3,000 in my bank account back then, it's fake news. Uh, I wish I had that much. I, maybe I wrote that somewhere to like sound cool or something like that. But if, if it's between you and me and the listeners, it was a lot less than that. Okay. Um, because I, I tried to, to launch, I had like a music website that was getting crazy traffic, but it was just okay at, uh, you know, making money. 
Uh, I was working like a regular job, but then I was using all of that money to fund like the SaaS startup uh, that that completely failed and bombed. And that's like a whole nother story about, you know, just pulling yourself out of that and, and keep keep on going. But um, we started Natural Stacks in September of 2013 when we first went live uh, to fund the production run. I actually used someone from uh, the freelancer thread in the Dynamite Circle to uh, convert someone's website from, uh, I think it was static HTML, into WordPress so they could update stuff easily. And I charged them $5,000, and I think I paid the person in Indonesia like 150 bucks. They were stoked. <laughs> I was stoked. And I had the money to, uh, to help fund the company. One, one of the funny stories about funding the company is my business partner, Roy, and I had never met before. Uh, we talked on Skype and on the phone, but I've never even done like a, a face-to-face or like a video call. And I take the $5,000 and I'm like, oh my God, like I, I just, this is like me getting out of the hole, you know, because I went into a little bit of debt from the, uh, from the SaaS company I tried to fund and start. And uh, I'm like, well, I could save this and, you know, we be cool, you know, because you need some money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Or I was like, oh, I can, you know, roll the dice. And, you know, if, if worst case scenario, I've got to, you know, wait tables or drive for Uber or something to, like, make some extra money on the side. And I talked to uh, my fiance, my girlfriend at the time, and I looked at her. And I was like, yeah, you might have to bring him the bacon for a little bit. And she was okay with that, surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's always supported me in every way. And, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I made the deposit, $5,000 cash. It was like definitely the most cash I ever held in my hand at the time and uh, put it into his bank account. And that was, I think that was in April of 2013. And then we ended up launching in September, um, which was really one of the scariest, most exciting times, but it ended up all working out. Nice. And then in, by 2014, you did a million in revenue, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So in... September of 2013 to the end of the year, uh, we did 100K. In a, I've given a few talks of 100K in our first 100 days. Uh, you know, we did over seven figures in 2014, and we've been growing year over year ever since. It's been a fun and exciting journey. Now we're out here in Seattle. We started doing our own fulfillment out here. Uh, most of the team is still, you know, virtual all over the place. Uh, we employ various independent contractors, agencies to work on like every aspect of the business. And uh, man, it, I'm just so lucky and, and so blessed to be able to wake up every day and work on something that I love doing, talk with awesome people, networking, speaking, talking to Chris Reynolds. Man, it, doesn't <laughs> get, it doesn't get any better, man. It really doesn't. Um, I had a question for you, but then you threw me off with that Chris Reynolds remark. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what was I going to ask you? Um, da, 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 um, Feel free. Open book. Um, before we started, w- well, when I introduced you, I mispronounced your name on purpose. Well, because you tried to tell me how to pronounce it, and I wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, we're going to jump into talking about branding a little bit. I pronounced your name Hebert, which is how it would be pronounced to many Americans, I would assume. But the correct pronunciation, help me out, Ben, is? So it's it's actually a bear. And 
French, uh, no? That's fr- it's French-Canadian, actually. So I'm adopted from South Korea, and then my father's family. Um, they're French-Canadian, but they've been living in the, uh, the Northeast, and it, it lost... So it's H-E-B-E-R-T, but it lost that accent agu over the first E, and I only know that's an accent agu because I took like six years of French, and that's basically all I remember. <laughs> but but um, it, it's it's funny because I would I've been into uh, Louisiana a couple times, and once I'm at a restaurant, and I, I'm going up, and then uh, I, I tell the person, oh yeah, my name's Benjamin A. Bear. And, you know, being, being uh, my fiance was there with me and being two, two Asian people in Louisiana and saying that was your last name, the guy behind me is like, oh, that's my last name, too. And he, he does it in like a, <laughs> like a thick Cajun accent. He's like, never would have thought that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, man, me too. But, but, it, but it's funny because, you know, we're talking about the concept of, of rebranding. And um, there, there's been a couple of members of my my family that have really taken it, um, switched from being called Heber to Bear because I think it reflects kind of the history better. It rolls off the tongue better. And um, that's what we're kind of like moving to now. So I'm like uh, getting married sometime. I don't know when. Don't ever get married. The wedding racket is worse than the, the dying <laughs> racket. That's a whole other podcast topic. But I was like, oh, this is what we're going to do. And um, you know, she's all in on it too. So I guess I'm Benjamin A. Bear now and not Hebert anymore. <laughs> so let's start, let's start with that, like the concept of rebranding a name. And I think we probably have mutual friends who have taken a new last name or taken a new full name. But what are the steps that you would, the first steps that you would do to change in people's minds the pronunciation of your last name? Well, I think the pronunciation is, you know, in this case, it's not a total rebrand. It's more of just like a pronunciation issue. Right. Um, and, and that happens all the time because I've been using uh, Clavio as my email marketing tool that we use at e- or Natural Stacks and a couple other of my projects. It's definitely the best one if you're using Shopify. And I recently found out it was Clavio. And not it's Clavio. Clavio. I pronounce it Clavio. <laughs> <laughs> I th- see. I think everyone does. So it's like one of those <laughs> things where it's like, eh, does that really change your impression of of the brand or the product or anything like that? I think it does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, the only maybe only in this circumstance because Clavio to me kind of sounds like an STD, and Clavio <laughs> sounds a little <laughs> a little more gentle. Yeah. Well. Well, in that case, it's good, but. Uh, you know, for me, it was just like, one, I'm just going to keep calling it Clavio. And then two, I, I still love it. So I'm going to keep using it. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, ultimately, I don't think that really changes the relationship directly. You know, yeah. because it's not, you know, it's a pronunciation change. It was kind of like, oh, you were doing something wrong since the beginning. Um, you can keep doing it wrong and it won't really matter. Nothing really changes. But, you know, in, in your case, you're, you're talking a little bit about rebranding the entrepreneur house into something else. Yeah. Um, I, I only know like bits and pieces. You've been hosting, you know, real entrepreneur houses where you know get get together a bunch of talented people, put them under one roof. And what else has been going on? You've got the podcast. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so we do entrepreneur houses um, around the world, 
And originally they started out as long-term, three months, two months, one month. I got to the point where it, it was just too much. A month commitment to be in an event is huge. I always knew that I wanted to do more shorter-term events because like, so I did a, my first shorter-term event, which was 12 days last year in, in Thailand. And that was great. It went, the people got just as much work done. They were just as productive because we focus solely on productivity and not productivity and social. And so for those 12 days, it was a workathon. And I like that because there was a lot of stress left off my shoulders, a lot of responsibility that I didn't have to deal with. I didn't have to uh, worry about, you know, housing as much. We didn't give that option. And and so that's that's part of it. I always knew I had to go to shorter term events. Plus, I kind of like them better in a way because they attract a different entrepreneur. The type of entrepreneurs that come and stay for a month are in their twenties and thirties for the most part. A lot of them, mm-hmm. a lot of them male, or somebody that that is a little bit older and maybe they sold out their business. They don't have to work anymore. That sort of thing. And so we were attracting clientele that I had almost. I don't want to say outgrown, but like I wasn't necessarily focused as much on the younger generation of entrepreneurs slash digital nomads and that sort of thing. And, and then another thing that you and I chatted about earlier was the fact that entrepreneur magazine used the word entrepreneur or trademarked it and then had been suing people that use that word in their brand name, which has, has led me to the decision of, okay, we're going to change the podcast name and, and, the brand altogether so a couple things uh first entrepreneur.com you guys are dicks for for (laughs) suing people it's like how can you own a word like that like oh my gosh (laughs) oh my gosh it's like oh i own the word athlete so if anyone wants to call themselves an athlete or say you help athletes you have to pay me money (laughs) like come on man um yeah that that's dumb and i've I've heard a bunch of stories about that, but it sounds like it's coming at the right time because, you know, listening to the story, um, what you've been doing, I can, I can hear the passion come through and it's like, holy crap, I did my 12 days in Thailand and it's like a better group. Everyone got more out of it, less stress for me. You know, this is, this is where I want to be. And, and to me, that's a clear signal that you want to move up market. And you, you said the same thing. You're like, oh, I want to get away from the people who, uh, you know, can take a month out of their lives and come live with strangers like the real world and, and get into the people who, hey, you know, they can get 12 days away from, you know, their other commitments and they're going to be super, super productive because this is 12 days for them to crush it. So, you know, it signals a move up market and. I think I think you know this this change comes at a good time. You know what it reminds me of is I don't know if you're a member of EO, but they yeah. used to be called the Young Entrepreneur Council or something like that. Yeah, and then they eventually rebranded to EO. So maybe you should get whoever was in charge of that on the show to re- to really help you uh, through it. And I guess they probably have a deal with Entrepreneur Magazine or something like that, so they don't get sued. But I, the the move. The, the move makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think they have enough money behind them to protect, protect themselves from Entrepreneur Magazine, would be my guess. Well, that is that is a good show. And now that I'm subscribed, just let me know what episode it is. <laughs> okay. And, and I'll definitely tune in. Yeah. So so walk me through. Are you going through naming? Are you going through what, what stage are you at with the, with the transition now? We've chosen a name. So that took a long time to come about. Like 
months, almost a year really. And I started kind of early January, putting some serious effort towards it. And so um, I came up finally with, because I like the idea of productivity. I like, I love it actually, you know, based on our conversation we just had, I could talk about it for a long time. And um, so I came up with, you know, I like productivity focus and that sort of thing. So I came up with the idea of the business method podcast. And this was um, the only one that I found with open domains. For me, it was a green light, and I so I ran the name by a number of friends and people in my mastermind. Ninety-nine percent all really liked it. They they thought it was a good fit for what I was doing. And then the idea, Ben, is to <clears throat> under the umbrella of the Business Method podcast. So if you think like of Smart Passive Income or uh, Entrepreneur on Fire, they have the the podcast is the heart and soul of the business, and then they do events and products underneath the umbrella of that. And so my idea is like, okay, our events are still going to be focused on productivity. The business method kind of fits that. Let's do a productivity online productivity event for five days, and an offline live productivity event in Thailand for ten days, and that sort of thing. And so that's the direction that in the place that we're at now. What do you not like about the name? I love it. You love every part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I th- I feel like it fits everything that I've worked on in the past to who I am now and where it goes. This is interesting to me because, you know, I, I hear the name and I think it I think it sounds generic. Okay. And I think it kind of like fits into the sea of, of smart passive income and things like that. And if that's where you want to be, I think that's fine. But, you know, my, my question for you is that you've hosted these entrepreneur house events. And I'm sure that there were many unique experiences at each different one. And each, each one kind of had a story or each one kind of had a theme. Or each one had something crazy go wrong. But either way, when you bring a group of people together like that, um, you know, you're creating meaning, you're creating value. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess the question would be, uh, what kind of did you do any surveying of um, of of your attendees and yeah. just seeing like, hey, you know, how would you describe the event? What did you get out of it? Just very short, you know, very short answers, just so you can kind of get a feeling of what it means to them, because. Yeah, and what I'm guessing on, and this is just obviously my my opinion, and I've never been to any of these, is that, you know, there was something personal that kind of happened, something meaningful that happened at the entrepreneur house, mm-hmm. and it it feels to me like this is getting lost when you're going like, biz method podcast or the business method podcast because it's like a generic title, and it it kind of does that does that feeling lose itself when, when it transfers over? So, yeah, I've thought of that. So when we did the entrepreneur houses and they were a month long, people came with the expectation of, hey, I'm going to work on my business around other entrepreneurs and have a good social time in a new country and explore and do some fun activities. Um, so when I got, I got, when I realized that I was going to have to make this transition based on my own growth and position in my life and in the direction I wanted to go. I, I realized that, okay, let's try a productivity event that's, that's in Thailand. It's focused only on productivity and we take out the social aspect. And, and so what happened is people came, uh, they got a lot of shit done. They were extremely productive 
and they had the opportunity to hang out afterwards or in the evening times and, and mix that social aspect in with themselves. So this last event was not called the Entrepreneur House. It was a twelve. It was basically like twelve day productivity sprint in in Thailand. And and I think I know where you're going, which is why the events that we create are not like the business method retreats or the business method event or that sort of thing. But kind of like if you can picture, you know, bigger bigger name influencers that have different events that are not their names of either their podcast or their business or whatever. So I was thinking like, hey, the podcast is the way we get the word out, but we have a get shit done live or get shit mm-hmm. done online events, right? So people associate it that. And then they're like, oh, who's creating a get shit done live? Oh, that's Chris Riddles and he has the the business method podcast. Does that make sense? So the business method podcast is going to be just like another asset kind of in your stable that you use for promotion. Yes, correct. Interesting. And it's just like the last one was everything was kind of under the umbrella and now maybe there's something else at the top of the umbrella and and this is one of the things, right? Yeah. So that that's like an interesting approach when it comes to branding. Um, and, and the easiest way to look at that is uh, let's just pretend that we're the Ford Motor Company. So if you're drawing it out, you have Ford at the top. And what does Ford sell? Well, they sell you know cars. They're going to sell trucks. Uh, they're going to sell SUVs. And, and that's one way to branch it out. So you could just branch it out and have those three categories. And I'm sure they sell more things. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they even sell hybrids. I don't know what their hybrid's called, but <laughs> it probably sucks. Um, <laughs> or... You know, you could you could branch it out and you could just say, oh, it's the Ford uh, Focus, the Ford F-150, the Ford Explorer. I think it's the Ford Explorer. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those things kind of represent something different to people. You know, the person who buys the F-150 is looking for something, you know, a cool truck that they can take off-roading or something like that or, you know, use it as a work vehicle. Uh, they might not apply you know, when it comes to the, uh, the, the Ford Focus. And it's like each one of these like products needs like a really unique story to sell it, in my opinion, because it's like a, a little bit different audience. But of course, at the same time, you want them all to kind of wrap under like, oh, this is what Ford represents, you know, as, as a brand or as a company. Maybe Toyota is like a, a better example or maybe one that I'm just more familiar with because it's like, oh, if you buy a Toyota, you know, it's going to last forever. You know, it's going to have low maintenance. You know, you're getting a quality vehicle that's, uh, you know, Japanese made and it doesn't matter whether you buy a truck or car or whatever. So m- my question right now for you is what is sitting there at the top? You know, what is that and how do you umbrella out your, your podcast, your events, and what does that look like right now? So I guess the way I picture it, Ben, is is I really want the podcast to go on for for years. I think it's something that I can continue with. And that that is kind of um, I guess what would be at the top the 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 top is is my own personal brand because it's chris reynolds the productivity guy that used to do the entrepreneur houses and the focus events um but you know now is 
Chris Reynolds, the guy that does the Business Method podcast and runs these these awesome productivity get shit done events and that sort of thing. Interesting. So if we put Chris at the top, and I'm just drawing yeah. this down like a total visual person, um, and then we do one offshoot is your podcast, and then another are the events. It's just an interesting routine, or not, I don't know if you want to call it routine or exercise, because, um, mm -hmm. you know, we have the same problem at Natural Stacks, because, you know, if, if we're selling, you know, let's say we sell our natural protein, which is uh, whey and collagen, mm -hmm. the, the person who's going to be attracted to that initially is probably not the same person who came in to buy our dopamine brain food or something like that. Right. Because they're, they're different, they're unique, and um, they each have kind of their own selling points. So essentially what I did by naming the brand Natural Stacks is at the top you get everything you need just from those, those, two, uh, those two words. Mm -hmm. You know, one, natural, because, you know, we're only using all natural earth-grown ingredients. And then two, stacks, which is, which is the concept of, hey, you know, our formulas only have four or five different ingredients in them. There's like two or three different benefits for them. Uh, it's not like you're going to see a proprietary label with like 15 different things in it. And this is like supposed to help you sleep better, gain muscle, and have all these other crazy things happen. It's like that's not how it works. They're meant to be combined or stacked together. So at the very top, you know, you can understand, hey, the, the word natural clearly says, oh, this is you know, this is natural. There's no way to like mistake that. Right. And then stacks is like the part that we have to explain. So it's like, that's the concept for every single one of our products. And you can find that at the top. And that is what's helped us because, you know, the supplement industry is incredibly freaking cutthroat. It is crazy what, uh, what people will do and, and what happens. And I could go on and on and on about all the crazy stuff in supplements. <laughs> But it would take forever, and I'm, I'm sure people are that's, tired of hearing me talk already. That's another podcast but, episode. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but we're able to communicate that easily, uh, which makes all of the rest of the marketing kind of fall in. Because if you, if you take supplements already, you're like, oh, I only do want to take natural ingredients. And when we get into the whole stacking concept and the problems with the industry, you're like, oh, you know, that makes sense to me. Then let me look further into into uh you know the individual supplements you guys offer and see what will work for me yeah that's some great things to think about I'm, I'm curious ben have you what was your process going through picking out colors and a logo um we went through an iteration maybe like two or three times with that uh I think when it comes to like the branding, the general colors and the shield have been the same since basically day one. Mm -hmm. We've added certain elements to the labels, um, but the colors have all stayed the same. And I can't remember. I can probably uh, share what the uh, what the old labels used to look like in the old. We haven't really changed those very much. And, and going through that, it was kind of like one of those things when as soon as we saw it, you know, we loved it. The only difference was that I think the original labels, instead of using the, uh, the dark shade of blue that we have, we were using a black. And, 
you know, we, we, we just looked at it, kind of compared that to what else is out there. Uh, and we were like, hey, you know, black is, is too athletic. It's too masculine. You know, we wanted to be somewhere in between of natural and scientific, uh, which, which is a little bit of a challenging world to be in and exist at the same time. But I think, I think we've done that really well. And we're kind of, we're definitely growing in retail right now. It's one of our biggest uh, channels as far as month over month growth. So surviving on the shelf, being able to sell off the shelf is a lot different than being able to sell on the internet where you can put as many photos as you want, blow them up and make them look cool. Um, so we, we've been successful there with our existing labels. We're making small changes, but when it comes to like colors, um, I think it really comes down to what does your brand represent in the market category? What does everyone else look like and what can you do to innovate or make it special? And for us, we wanted to be natural slash scientific. So that's why you're going to see the yellow and the different shades of uh, blue. Are you guys enjoying this episode? Guess what? We have another show coming out with Ben very soon. Ben was a great guest and we got so much valuable content from him that we decided to break up the interview into two podcast episodes. This way we get a final Entrepreneur House episode with Ben and he also gets featured on a new show with a new name. Check out the next interview coming out soon where Ben dives into biohacking and how you can skyrocket your productivity by understanding what your body needs and when it needs it. And now back to the show. What are some common questions that kind of come up on the podcast? What do, what do people want to know? What is like the meat that your listeners want to know? I really think they they just get inspiration and they they really enjoy hearing from people that have been through this process of building a seven figure location independent business. To so because that's what that's the dream, right? Whether they're five figures trying to get to six figures and six figures trying to get to seven figures. So maybe some tips and recommendations for people that are in that hustle, like how to keep going to get to that next level. I can definitely do that. Um, so first I think, you know, depending where you are in, in the business stage, you really have to pick if you want to operate in a big market or a small market. And there's definitely advantages to both. I mean, supplements in America alone are like $22 billion. Wow. Um, I can be less than 1% and you are a freaking giant, giant company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and when you're doing operating in a big market, there's going to be big players. There's going to be um, so. So one with big players, there's usually things they suck at doing just because they have such like an advantage that um they just overlook it or they just suck at it. And for, you know, for supplements, you know, most of these companies have been built up in retail and they are absolutely awful at the internet. So, you know, that's, that's one distribution model that's, that's worked a lot for us. You know, we're pursuing retail, wholesale, everything now, but you know, in in a, in a larger established market, you can really exploit those inefficiencies. So consumer demand is there. Uh, because they're already buying these types of products, so you have to you have to just tap into that demand. You don't have to uh, you know really train them or create something new or, or create a new habit for them. It's like no, they're already taking you know krill oil every day. You just need to get them to switch, which is sometimes a little bit easier than training someone to do something new. Uh, I was saying you can exploit inefficiencies. Uh, so for us, that's you know the internet uh, and distributing through there, but 
you know, there, there's going to be more competition and you have to do a lot more to stand out and be unique. But the, the market's already there. The market's already super developed. I think on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, you, you can do something that's a little bit more niche, a little bit more under the radar. Uh, but a lot of times you have to build out those channels or you have to educate people. And it, it's not the playbook isn't necessarily there. And sure, you can copy strategies that you see working in other markets or other industries. But yeah, who knows if that's going to be you know successful for you. Um, and then and then the third model that I really like is, um, you know, tapping, tapping into trends. So a good idea of like a trend with like a ton of like network effects would be like the Shopify app store. And people are still like getting super rich on Shopify App Store by getting a bunch of reviews and mm-hmm. people downloading it, you know, paying it monthly. So that's like a really good example of where you don't really have to create, you know, the marketing kind of handles itself. It's like you're, you're on the App Store. It's just like kind of being on Amazon or something. You have to do whatever you have to do to, you know, rank higher in the algorithm, get more reviews, you know, whatever. And, you know, people are going to find you that way because that, that is the hardest way you know, for, for all of us to find customers. It's like, how do I find them? Well, you can go spend money and throw your money away on like Facebook and all those other places. But working on existing, you know, platforms can be really beneficial. So that's a good example. Uh, my friend Alan recently started a company called Chain Fuel, and all he's doing is providing services to uh, these blockchain companies. So everyone's probably into crypto that's in some form or way in another, and um, you know these companies have tons of freaking money. Uh, they have to move fast, and they don't really know what they're doing, so they need help in all of these different areas. And you know he's just created like a really cool service provider where he's like, oh, we can do all your design and site and have all this ready for you, and it's going to look great. Um, so those are kind of the opportunities to like think about very early, because I spent a lot of time. Um, between failing at SaaS, you know, selling a bunch of like niche sites and kind of like doing all these random hustles, like what would I focus my time and energy on as like my next big thing? Like what would the big thing be? And for a long time, I was really scared of like, oh, I don't want to do, I don't want to go all in on supplements because it's like so competitive and it's going to be so hard and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, it's, it, it, I mean, anything you do is going to be hard, but for us, we found lots of ways to like, you know, just do a better job than what was already existing, which a lot of people don't think about, I think, early on. What do you think it was about natural stacks that made it take off so quickly? Um, One, we attached ourselves to a trend. So biohacking, nootropics, keto paleo all of those things in 2013 were like you know barely on like the barely on the radar i mean they were starting to get popular but it wasn't as big as it is now so early on we attached ourselves to the people who were podcasting about that and we're kind of able to get our first you know 1000 true fans that way since then you know one we've expanded our product line significantly and, and really determined that, hey, you know, as a company, as a brand, we want to represent the leaders in natural cognitive health. You know, I believe that, you know, our brains are our most important, you know, assets that we have. 
if you're going to ask me to get rid of any of them, I cut off my hand a lot before I <laughs> cut off my brain from my body. But um, so, you know, it, it comes from that belief. It comes from, hey, there aren't a lot of natural options out there. And if you're looking for one, you know, we're it. And why are we it? Well, we're natural. We're open source. You know exactly what's in the formula. You know where it came from. Here's the research uh, that that went into this product. Here's why the bioavailability is better versus what else is on the market. Um, you know, we believe that we're putting the absolute best products out there possible, which I would never stand behind something, especially in supplements, if I didn't. And then we're taking the next steps as a small bootstrap company by, you know, funding clinical trials, you know, to take these concepts even further. If you were starting fresh, starting all over again, knowing what you know now, what business would you get in and why? Well, I, I'm a, I'm an e-com. Well, I would have bought Bitcoin in 2012 and just <laughs> that on it. Uh, sold out. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, yeah, sold, sold out a couple months ago or whatever. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually uh, rebuilding a business, an e-com business that I bought with my partner Roy uh, right now. And it's uh, a men's grooming company. And I'm actually uh, like live. It's kind of like a business diary. It's like one part teaching, but it's not really a course. It's more of just like me doing live streams and just like people following along. And that's at uh, ecom89.com. Uh, it's actually closed down now, but maybe if someone wants to join, I'll open it up. Um, but I think I'm an ecom guy to heart. I love making awesome products. And, and selling them to people and getting the feedback and them saying, oh, I love this or whatever. And it, it kind of comes back to um, when I first went to college, and I'll, I'll make this quick because I know we're running over, I was a resort tourism and management major. Uh, my dad has worked in the restaurant industry his whole life. He uh, sells uh, restaurant equipment, so sets up their ovens, blah, blah, blah. So I've always been around that and I've always looked up to the restaurateurs that, you know, they come in, this is like one of their 10 restaurants, everyone knows them, they interact with everyone, they provide people a great experience, great food, and, you know, everyone goes home happy because they make money and, uh, you know, they have a great time and great food. So, you know, my idea with business or when I went to college was like, hey, I want to own like restaurants, hotels, things like that, that I can provide an awesome experience and really interact with people, help them, and then profit at the same time. Because, you know, that sounds really cool when you're like 18 years old owning a hotel. <laughs> of course. Um, but eventually, you know, this guy from like Marriott came in and spoke to the class, and then he was like the CEO, and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is a great business to be in, except you don't get any holidays. <laughs> uh, you've got to work every other big thing. Like, you're going to spend your whole summers here and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds freaking awful. You know, I just read the four-hour work week, and I was like, what sounds better to me? You know, having, having that level of freedom and flexibility, or is it like, oh, you know, slaving away at this freaking place, giving up every holiday, and then eventually owning it and still having to give up every holiday? <laughs> um, you know, working in e-commerce, I kind of get the best of both worlds because I'm doing uh, CPGs, consumer packaged goods. You know, I, I'm selling a product that, you know, people are going to tell if they like it or not pretty quick, you know, with, within a week. And, um, you know, for the first, I think, year, year and a half, I did like all of the customer support just because, you know, I love those interactions. I love when people say, hey, uh, you know, th this really changed my life. 
Uh, I passed the bar exam. I passed whatever. And then I also like people to say, hey, this freaking sucked. Your delivery sucked, whatever. Because I'm like, well, let me listen to this because I know if I fix it, uh, I'm going to provide a better experience. People are going to be happier. And, you know, we're, we're going to profit because of that. And that's kind of like gets back to like the whole idea of, oh, if I owned a restaurant and someone said like, oh, your pizza sucks. Oh, hey, man, why, why did it suck? He's like, oh, this happened with the cheese. And then I'd go back there and I would look and I'd be like, oh, well, we have to fix this with the cheese. And then boom, better pizza. Everyone's happy. I guess our Yelp reviews would go up and, you know, we'd sell more pizza. Uh, I don't want to do that every single every single day. <laughs> you know, I, I want the flexibility to be able to go snowboarding on a, on a Tuesday if, you know, if it just dumps six inches or eight inches the night before. Um, so I think I'll continue to do e-com companies uh, until until whenever, until the end. What's the end for you? Uh, end game. I think that's, well, this is another deep uh, tirade I can go on because, you know, at, at 29 now, you know, I, I've kind of accomplished everything that I wanted out of life. Um uh, or like my first set of goals, which was, you know, having, having a business, uh, you know, I have a fiance that I love. I have a great family, you know, and the business has afforded me, you know, all of these incredible things of meeting incredible people, traveling the world, eating sushi in Tokyo, drinking Bordeaux and Bordeaux, like all of these crazy things that like I just dreamed of my entire life. You know, I, I took my mom to Paris. I've taken, uh, I've taken my dad to New Orleans, and he, he just went out and stayed out way later than me. It was kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, but all the things that that I've wanted, except for starting a family, you know, I've really gotten, and I'm incredibly blessed, incredibly grateful, incredibly thankful, and I, I think about that every day. Um, but when it comes to Endgame now, it's like, hey. You know, I, I've got a plan for that next level. I have to think about that next level and what I want, how to get out of or and how I, how I can achieve that. So I'm in the process of hiring. I don't know if it's like an executive coach or it's like an executive coach slash uh, I don't know if you watch Billions, but a Wendy Rhodes and just someone that, you know, can help me frame this in a way that makes sense and that I can fit kind of all of the little pieces and things in my life going on. You know, into that mold. So I don't have a good answer right now, but the only thing kind of on the the big list that I want to add is uh, is starting a family. But that's like years from now still. So when, I still need more time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. What do you when you look for when you hire your executive coach? What are some of the important things for you to that they have when you hire them? Um. That's 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 a really good question, Chris. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of people, and I, I'm in a very fortunate position where, like, all of my friends are, are smarter than me. So <laughs> that's uh, a great position to be in. Yeah. It, it is. <laughs> as long and as they're nice to are, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. Uh, it's funny you said that because uh, I've rejected all of them because I'm like, one, we have too much history. Uh, you're going to be too nice to me at times. And then some of them will come back with all this bravado and be like, oh, no, bro, you know, I'm really going to let you hear it and stuff like that. And and then I was just thinking, I'm like, well, well then, dude, I'd probably just lie to you a little bit because, uh, 
you know, I like you and I, I value our friendship more than I value like your coaching, you know, yeah. that, because I don't think you can replace friendship in the world. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going through that. If anyone listening out there and you've stuck through this and you think that you could coach me up, uh, please reach out. Ben, is there any other words of wisdom you want to drop before we wrap up this show? I'd say, you know, if a lot of people are listening to this and 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 they're working on, you know, what what they think is going to be the big thing, or they're having questions on if what they're working on is right, I think questioning yourself is good. You know, you're always going to have those insecurities, the paranoia, and acknowledging those is all part of the process of you growing, maturing, and building. You know, and, and working towards your goals. So don't don't really shy away from that. Um, and and the last part is, you know, just stay in the game. Keep working. Keep going at it. You know, if you stay in long enough, you will find success and you'll make it happen. Absolutely. Ben, I want to give you a huge thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for sharing all your tips and tricks and your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. No problem. And if any of you guys want anything from Natural Stacks, uh, just go to the site and type in Chris Reynolds. See, I'm helping you out because we're branding you at the top. So I'm like, everyone has to think Chris Reynolds, Chris Reynolds, Chris Reynolds. Yeah, I appreciate that. Definitely. This whole session has definitely given me a new way to look at branding for sure. And I really appreciate that. Listeners, we're going to wrap up there. We'll put the links in the show notes. And if you want to get a hold of Ben, you can check out naturalstacks.com. Thank you guys for joining us once again. And we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>